No matter if points are gained or points are lost, there will be much to discuss. For analysis regarding tonight's Winnipeg Jets game, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve post-game show starts now. Good morning, Winnipeg. Good morning, Manitoba. For all those joining us live this morning on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms, we say good morning, universe, and welcome to the Illegal Curve post-game show. Alongside Dave Manuk, I'm your host, Drew Mandel. You knew that it would be difficult or more difficult for the Winnipeg Jets to score goals without Kyle Connor in their lineup. Goal scoring has been an issue for the Jets all season long, and it reared its ugly head tonight, particularly on the power play as the Jets drop a 2-1 decision to the formerly last place San Jose Sharks. Good morning, David. Nice to see you on what is now Wednesday morning a game that the Jets will rue their missed opportunities 0 for 5 on the power play, and it ends up biting them in the behind as San Jose gets a late goal and the Jets cannot match it to lose this game and fail to win five in a row and thus fail to um, move back atop the Central Division. I don't know how many people predicted the team that had the minus 54 goal differential in uh, coming into tonight's game was going to be the winner. But I will say, as I mentioned in today's pregame report that these are not the same San Jose Sharks that you were Mm -hmm. used to seeing that were giving up 10-2 games to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Then they do back-to-back-to-back 10-goal games or or all in close proximity. So these Sharks weren't uh, very good early in the season. They have been playing much better hockey. They took the... 5-2-1 in their last eight entering tonight. Yeah, and they and they took the Golden Knights to a shootout, mm-hmm. and they took uh, they beat the Rangers. They or no, they lost the, to the Islanders, Rangers. the Red Wings. Yeah, they beat. Yeah, but the point is they've beaten some decent teams, and they've been playing much better hockey. Having said that, yeah, the Jets' power play is abysmal, and it's it's just that's the difference in the hockey game. Lauren Brassois was excellent, and he had to be early on. Mm-hmm. He gave them enough of a chance to win that hockey game, and. You don't love the penalty calls fine. I mean, I can understand that, you know, especially late in the game. You don't well, want to see penalty on DeMello. I didn't have a problem with that. Call. No, I, I mean, that the, the, the thing that's up, but, but just before that, you could argue that David Gustafson got sure. interfered with twice on the, on the shorthanded chance. Sure. And if they call that it, you know, it knocks out the rest of it and there's no goal. Yeah. So I'm just saying, if you're going to call the game tight, then call the game tight. It's kind of like the whole thing about officiating anyways. And then they give that kind of late makeup call to Mark Shifley. And again, that was a penalty. But anyways, it, it, it is what it is. It doesn't really make a difference. The Jets didn't take advantage of their opportunities. And, you know, look, they don't give up for the, what is that, the 16th straight game, more than three goals, but mm-hmm. or 17th straight game at this point, Drew. Now. Yeah. But like, it, it, you know, again, you're not, Lauren Brassois can't score goals. He saved a lot. and. You know, again, were how many of those, how many of those chances on on Blackwood were? Would you call like high danger? Really? I mean, again, like a lot of the shots perimeter. were from the outside, mm-hmm. the perimeter. Just played like a perimeter team today. Really, there was not yeah. a lot from the inside. And you could suggest that the Sharks did a lot of that, but I don't know. Like it was, it was a, it was an entertaining game. Um, you know, but I, again, like I said, I think it's just one of those games that the Jets are going to rue that their power play just stunk, and that's all. I mean, it was. It was it was predictable. It was slow. Again, we're talking about the same things we've been talking about. It seems like all season long. Yeah, it was it, it was on the perimeter. And look, the the book on San Jose is, is pretty evident. You know, the Sharks, when they're in their own zone, are basically playing the six goaltender approach where everyone (laughs) is collapsing so low that it's almost impossible to get a shot through clean, especially when you're on the man advantage. I mean, when 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 they're on the man advantage, they are they're just collapsing so low and just saying, you know, try and, and, and squeeze one through. And the Jets were looking for the perfect shot. And I understand that, you know, it's you know it gets into your mindset that you that you know you don't want the shot to be blocked but the jets win every puck battle and the jets won most of the puck battles in tonight's game san jose the mo you know you watch that first period san jose is a pretty uh, fast team when they have room to skate and the first you know 10 minutes of this game or anytime san jose was dangerous is it was in transition and it was a uh, a, a, and they were able to move the puck they couldn't win a puck battle along the boards or down low if their life depended on it. 
And I thought particularly in the third period, the Jets may may have played into their style a little bit by opening up the game. This was not a game that the Jets wanted to open up. And they didn't open it up that dramatically. I'm not saying that it was fire wagon hockey, but that's the only way San Jose was going to succeed was in transition or in, you know, you know, or with a man advantage five on five. If it was a grinding style, the Jets controlled it. Anytime a puck was sent in deep, the Jets were able to win the puck battle. The Jets were able to to forecheck effectively and and get the puck and and be able to get a scoring chance or at least keep possession. And, And on the power play particularly, and I know most power plays aren't usually... Uh, you know, puck battle situations because you have the extra man on the ice. But I thought that the Jets were, were were trying to find the perfect shot too much. I rather would have seen more just pucks towards the net. And sure, they might be blocked. That that you know, that's what San Jose does. But then you go win that puck battle. So yeah, San Jose is going to block it, but you then go win the puck battle because you have more numbers. And you are out, outnumbering the, the Sharks. Your mic is muted, Dave, so I don't know what you just said there. I was going to say, but just to jump in quick, it, it how did the Jets score the first goal? A screen, right? right. Like, they, they used the screen. And, and again, like I said, when most goaltenders are stopping their shots, like, I'm sorry, their shots were, there was a lot of time. They were, again, it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of speed. So, and, and the folks in the chat are recognizing this, and we appreciate everyone joining us here. It's a, it's a late night or early morning as Drew started off this show, mm-hmm. a legal curve post-game show. But, you know, it, it's one of those, again, I, I understand why folks are frustrated, right? Because you're, you're seeing the Sharks, and again, regardless of the fact that the Sharks aren't necessarily the, the way their record reflects, yeah, they've played the better is, hockey since the start of the season. I mean, this, their yeah. start was so bad that it ended their season in terms of any playoff aspirations. Right. But they didn't have really, shouldn't have had any. There, I mean, you see their team. It's a team of mishmash. It's a team of veteran guys who are on one-year contracts who really are the kind of guy who only gets a one-year contract on bad teams at this point in their career. Mike right. Hoffman, uh, Anthony Duclair. I mean, these are guys who are you know bounce around the league on one-year deals looking for going to teams that need a veteran presence for some young players. Right. And and I guess what I'm saying is that, look, if, if you're Winnipeg and you recognize that you've lost Kyle Connor, okay? We, we don't know how long right now. All we've heard is Two games, according to the team, we'll get an update on Friday. Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press is saying it's he's been told it's six to eight weeks, yeah, which obviously is not great, but it's a lot better than what it could have been. Which you know, based on what we saw, looked bad. But again, we'll get that final analysis. He's being evaluated in Winnipeg. For those who are curious, uh, we'll get uh, the Jets are traveling on Thursday after their game tomorrow in LA. So we'll uh, find out from Rick Bonus likely on Friday after practice. Uh, what the update is on Kyle Connor and, and that sort of thing. But look, you're not going to score as many goals. I don't care who's in the lineup. Mm-hmm. You're not replacing Kyle Connor. He's the leading, like, like I think I saw it on before they were, I think Marty Baron was talking about it. Kyle Connor had 17 goals. Does anybody else even have 10? Right. So yeah. you're, 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 you're not replacing this guy who's your top goal scorer. Now that means it's so much more critical for Gabe Velarde, Nikola Ehlers, Cole Perfetti, Mark Scheifele, guys who can score, that are going to have to pick up that slack and do it a little bit by committee. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is you're going to have to win these games. And and again, I'm, I still don't understand why this team is choosing to go 11 and seven. Doesn't make any like, sense. It makes no sense to me. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Why? I, I just cannot fathom why they feel they need to include Logan Stanley in the lineup right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm not like saying that this whole game is Logan Stanley's fault. By no stretch of the imagination was it. The Jets can't score. So that's right. the fault is in the fact that they can't score a goal. But I just, I don't understand it. Like, you know, yeah. it's interesting. And I wrote about it again in the pregame report, Drew, but which you read, of course. But the fact <laughs> of the matter is that uh, Rick Bonus a week ago said that Nate Schmidt was a veteran. We're not going to keep him out of the lineup, you know, mm-hmm. for very much longer, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so Nate Schmidt sat four straight games. Uh, you know, I, and again, I anticipated that he'd get back into this game against San Jose. He does. But, like, why do you need Logan Stanley? Like, again, like I said, I don't really care one way or another about Logan Stanley, but I just don't understand what did you need to go. Like, it's funny because Rick Bonus himself, I think, or maybe it was Scott O'Neill, they're talking about how they don't love 11 and 7. And sometimes that a necessity, I get it. 
but I just don't understand why they felt the need in this game against a yeah. team like San Jose that you wouldn't want to have someone like Axel Janssen, Fielby, a little speed in the lineup. And again, he had got, been playing well. Well, go for check. Pulled. I mean, the, you know, again, against a San Jose team that you can go and you can forecheck and you can win puck battles. Well, that, that yeah. that's Axel Janssen, Fialbi in a nutshell. Uh, right. he, and I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying here about uh, the 11 and 7. And, you know, and and so if you're going to go and, okay, fine, you want to go 11 and 7. doesn't make any, it makes even less sense to me that Logan Stanley is one of those seven. Well, why not I mean, Chisholm? Yeah, why not? Like, you you know, just, it's going to be a skating just... game. It's, a skating it's game. going to be a skating game. You need a guy who can make a good, effective first pass. Yeah, and 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 again, like I said, I I just didn't understand the idea that if you want to keep these guys all fresh, like you've just played Stanley what four games in a row, mm-hmm. and again, I, there's it, I'm not I I don't really I, like again I don't care about these people one way or the other. But to me, I'm watching this and I'm thinking to myself like, what has he done in these four or five games that has merited this? this sort of loyalty to him, if you will, to keep him in the lineup again, unless there's some sort of like three, you know, 40 chess playing played where you want to again, like showcase him or whatever well, you yeah. want to call. It, it, and, and, and I've heard that argument. I've heard people say, well, they're showcasing him. Well, I mean, first of all, if any team is interested in trading for Logan Stanley, fine, but you have years upon years upon years now of video. How much more showcasing do you need? How much more video do you need to see to 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 decide if you want to acquire him or not? I don't buy right. that. I don't believe that uh, they're playing him to showcase him because the more you watch him, the less appealing he's going to be uh, on the yeah. on the trade. You're block. doing the opposite of you're doing the opposite yeah. of the showcase. Yeah, exactly. You're driving down his value. Is 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 what you're doing in, yeah. in my so, in my case? And, and again, and if you if you can't play against, the, I mean, look, and I, we don't want them to turn this into the, the 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 shit on Logan Stanley show because no, because well, it wasn't he's not just the, him. Right, it's not just him. You score only one goal, you're not going to win very many. But you can't help but look at the game-winning goal and see that he had an opportunity, had the puck on his stick, and right. he failed. He failed to clear the puck well shorthanded. Mm-hmm. And look, it was not a pretty night for him. There were a couple times where he where he had bad turnovers, and there were a couple times where he got his pocket picked. And yeah. I don't know if you're playing eleven and seven because Josh Morris he played thirty minutes on uh, on Sunday uh, on Sunday against Anaheim, and you're you're worried that your defense might have uh, heavy legs, and you want a seventh defenseman. Fine, if if that's the case, so be it. If you want to go, you seven have one. Without reason, De- Declan Chisholm. Well, that's just it. It doesn't make any sense that Logan Stanley is is in your lineup and Declan Chisholm is, is still sitting. I just. I don't know what Logan Stanley brings to the table. And I've been saying this for a while now. So I've been saying this, you know, remember last year when Logan Stanley's agent uh, came out and, you know, it was announced that he was seeking a trade to get more playing opportunities. And I mm-hmm. couldn't help but like just start laughing. I mean, like, fine. Okay. I don't know why the Winnipeg Jets are holding on to him for dear life. And I wonder, and I'm not saying I know because I don't know. Let me make it perfectly clear. I don't know for fact, but I wonder if this is a dictate from the general manager versus the uh, the head coaching decision. Because don't for a second think that sometimes, you know, that doesn't happen. It does happen sometimes where the general manager might, uh, you know, insist or might strongly suggest that player X should be in the lineup and then the coach either has to abide by that or or, or, or not. And I don't know that that's the situation in the, yeah. uh, you know, the case in this situation, but I want that's crossed my mind as a possibility because I cannot, for the life of me, understand what Logan Stanley brings uh, to this Winnipeg Jets roster. And I'm not saying you have to trade him because I don't think there's that big of a market for him. But I don't. But and, and I have no problem with keeping him, you know, to to reinforce your defensive depth. And if that yeah. means he has to be the Kyle Capobianco of last year and play, you know, every 20 games, so be it. Yeah. But I just don't understand the need to have him in the lineup while a guy like Declan Chisholm, if you're going to go 11 and seven, is languishing there uh, night in and night out after having gone down to the moose for his conditioning stint, playing decently, yeah. you know, more than decently, I suppose, in the games that he did get into the Jets lineup. And yeah. now he's just twiddling his thumbs uh, while, while players who are worse than him in my mind get continued opportunities well you know it's interesting because the one thing that rick bonus talked about with respect actually to declanchism was the idea that he didn't pass off his problems to other people right and you can't say that about some of the plays we saw tonight where guys put themselves into bad positions and then just hot potato to puck away 
and not in a way that allowed their facilitated their teammates to get the puck, you know, to break it out and go the other way. So that was what was kind of stri- striking me was I was like, well, you know, again, like, and, and it, uh, this isn't limited to just a Logan Stanley. There were a lot of plays I thought where guys just made questionable decisions, but yes, ultimately it's, it's just one of those roster moves that I just, I just didn't understand because I'm like, well, okay, I understand why you go with 11 and seven when they did it last week, but I just didn't understand the need to do it today because look, you were off yesterday. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't as if you practiced hard and yeah, it was a, it was a interesting game against the ducks and Connor Hellebuck had a lot of work, but I mean, it's the sharks and I know they're playing better and I know that they've given a lot of teams fits, but like I said, you know, you get Nate Schmidt back in there, you know, he's looking to, you know, build on the fact that he's been uh, a healthy scratch for four straight, mm-hmm. or you put Declan Chisholm in to get that, uh, you know, those, a guy who feels confident in his game, got those two games, back to back and from Declan Chisholm's perspective you don't want that to be similar a repeat of what happened two years ago where he played the Detroit game he played the St. Louis game and then he didn't play again with mm-hmm. the Jets so uh, I again like I said I, it's all well and good about it's all well and good and I'll, I'll get back to Rick Bonus's thing and then we can do I mean there's not that many goals to go over Drew so there's right. not that much to that we have to worry about yeah. on the Betway game recap but it's also 12 30 in the morning so you know <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's fine, it's fine. No, but I, I was gonna say, like, I, one of the comments that Rick Bonus made in in speaking about um, the defense and the the choices that they'll make, and I'll just read it to you, and then we can we can get into it. But like, yeah. So I'm just bringing it up as we speak. I wasn't didn't know we were gonna go here, but like his comment was, and I quote, um. At this time, it's a game-to-game thing. We're not going to let Nate Schmidt, our veteran, sit out very long either. That's not fair to him. Listen, with eight defense and you want them all playing, it's a juggling act. There's no question. We'll always go to on the ice with the best lineup we feel gives us a chance to win at chance to win that night. So I just think it's interesting, right? Because it's like, does Logan Stanley inclusion over Schmidt or Chisholm give you a better chance of winning each night? Doesn't seem his words. And his actions don't seem to match each other. I would agree with that. I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me. I, I mean, I, 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 you know what you have in Logan Stanley. You know what the ceiling is. You know what the floor is. And they're both pretty close to each other. And it's not like the floor is that high. Uh, so uh, you don't fully know what you have in Declan Chisholm. And, and if you're not going to put Declan Chisholm in against, uh, you know, all due respect to San Jose, a team that's been playing better, when are you putting him into your lineup? Are you putting him into your well, lineup tomorrow? I mean, you know, and, and and I have no problem if he does come into the lineup tomorrow. Right. But that's a hell of a lot of a stiffer test for a young defenseman to go up against a Los Angeles Kings team that is certainly one of the better teams in the NHL. And you're going to put him up against a lot of veteran uh, forwards who know how to expose young defensemen. So it's a real steep challenge ahead for him if he's in the lineup. Whereas if you put him in tonight... This is the kind of game where I think he would have been successful. San Jose is not San Jose. I don't think is forechecking. I mean, never mind. I, I don't think I know they didn't forecheck very hard. They're a mm-hmm. skating team. Declan Chisholm yeah. would have been one of the best skaters on the ice tonight. He would have been able to transition the puck. He would have been able to move the puck. I just, for the life of me, don't understand the logic. I don't know why you go uh, eleven and seven in general. A lot of the decision making tonight was what I would describe as curious Mm -hmm. uh for a game that the winnipeg jets i mean look i know you're without kyle connor i know that that's you know uh, certainly a huge blow and we're going to talk about that and it's going to be a storyline until he returns to the jets lineup and you know six weeks from now eight weeks ago now from now whatever the 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 timeline is going to be uh and as an addendum you know for those of you and I don't think it's anyone in this chat, but I have, you know, we've seen people saying that Mike McIntyre is not a reliable source. Mike is an unbelievably reliable source. If Mike McIntyre is saying six to eight weeks for Kyle Connor, mm-hmm. he's being told that he's not plucking that out of nowhere. No, he's being he's told that, that by a reliable source. Yeah. As somebody within either Connor's camp or within the Jets camp themselves. So it's not mm-hmm. coming just out of nowhere. He's no. not playing doctor and speculating. Mike is a, as reliable a source uh, as it comes. So, you know, if he's saying six to eight, you can pretty much, you know, you can bank on it that he's not going to be back playing on Saturday night against the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah. And then the last thing we'll, I'll just say, because it's, it's 
further to the point you just made, Drew, about about giving these guys a chance. I saw Billy Hanola today at Hockey for All Center, and he looked okay. fine, and he's getting back there, and he's on the ice. My oh. point is that he's not that far away, potentially, and again, I'm, I don't know when he's actually going to be ready to take contact again. As I said, Friday should be an interesting one. Rasmus Kupari, again, his timeline, because Scott O'Neill told us last month it was going to be four to seven weeks. I think that was November uh, 7th. I, I can't remember exactly, but the point is that it's been a, it's been about four weeks since we spoke to Scott O'Neill about Rasmus Kapari. So he may again. I'm not saying he's going to save the, the day for the Jets, but you have to make some decisions as an organization. So again, you're going to have Hainola and went to Hainola, and again we know that Hainola is going to go to the Moose. And that's still that's a 2024 decision for Winnipeg, but you'd rather be able to say okay, and to hear the comment you just made. Roaches him in against the Kings and see what he can do against an upper echelon team because that's kind of what you want to be able to do, right? You want to be able to see how a guy is going to handle uh, tough competition. So, again, we've probably spent a lot of time on the defense because we thought it was notable. And guess yeah. what? It's our show. We get to do whatever we want. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the power has gone to our heads and we have run amok. Drunk with power. Uh, yes, exactly. We are drunk with power in tonight, uh, the Illegal Curve postgame show, I guess, early this morning as the Jets lose to the San Jose Sharks by a 2-1 margin. The Jets' power play uh, not powerful tonight at by any means. Uh, at all as they go 0 for 5 whereas a power play goal very easily could have been the difference in Drew, tonight's contest why don't we get into it the game well, that, Drew, not drew not to be not too on, ominous but i did take note that last year yeah through so with this is game what what game was this tonight 20 i believe 26 if i'm not mistaken maybe 26? 27 uh, so through on, the first right 25 last year game 27 yeah. 27. So 26. So, but, but through 26, the Jets also had just on a four game winning streak and then lost this game. They lost to the San Jose Sharks. Dun, like? dun, dun. No, it wasn't the Sharks, but they oh, lost. Okay. They lost after being on a four game win streak at the exact same point. So, of what time you're saying season. is this is the this is the high point and it's the beginning <laughs> of the end. Is that what the, no, is that the, I don't think I actually don't believe that, but. You know, yeah. like I said, it's just. But it's uh, going to be. It's definitely going to be an uphill battle tomorrow. Well, they're going to have to change the way they play. They're going to, and they're going to have to change the way they play. They're not scoring as many goals. You don't. Again, we talked about it. You lost Kyle Connor. You're not scoring mm -hmm. as many goals. And you're playing against an LA team, by the way, that is also the only team that's basically any that's that's as stingy as you are, or more stingy than you are in terms of the goals against is the Los Angeles Kings. They've given up 58 uh, this year, which leads the entire NHL. Uh, they've given up 58. The next closest is the Bruins, who've given up 65, and then the Jets. The only difference is the Los Angeles Kings also score goals seventh most in the NHL. The Kings have been great this year to start the season, uh, and the Last uh, 20, 34 goal differential is a big reason there uh, why that has been the case. So it'll be a very tough battle for the Jets tomorrow night to try and make it three out of four on this road trip where you thought that might have been uh, sitting there in their back pocket entering tonight's game against the previously dead last San Jose Sharks. Let's get into the game that will go in the period by period, goal by goal recap. It's called the Betway Game Recap. The Betway Game Recap. The beauty of the late games, Dave, even though it's well past my bedtime, is that I have no uh, children around me. Yes. My kids, of course, but I have a lot more time to take notes. See, I even have a notepad and wow, you know, it's got some scribbles on it and things of that nature. I use Twitter uh, as my notes, but go on. Yeah, I, I appreciate that as well. But uh, so I was jotting down some notes as I was watching that uh, first period. And we, as we mentioned, the Jets came out uh, lethargic would be the uh, best way to describe it. And if it wasn't for Laurent Brassois's early heroics, it would have mm -hmm. been a much more one-sided uh, first period. The Jets outshot 7 nothing to start and 12-1 at mm -hmm. the first TV timeout. So the Jets are outshot 12-1, uh, you know, six minutes into this game. Uh, and, you know, if it wasn't Lauren Persuad who made a number of tremendous saves uh, early in the early in the contest, the Jets would have been in significant trouble. Oh, it was it was ridiculous. I mean, it, I jokingly tweeted, "Did the Jets think it was a ten o'clock start, not a nine thirty start?" Because don't don't, don't give I, them any ideas. I can't do yeah, ten o'clock starts. I mean, that was that was a, a ridiculous way of allowing your goaltender to get into a hockey game, I guess. Mm -hmm. And you, I mean, it, it was interesting because if, uh, as many fans will remember, when Connor Hellebuck made his fifty-one saves, I want to say it was in November of twenty nineteen 
against the Sharks that, um, you know, I mean, it was a ridiculous, I think he made 51 saves on 53 shots, right? And I thought, well, <laughs> this is setting up for another one of those uh, those types of games because, uh, you know, do the extrapolation, Drew. It mm-hmm. wasn't hard to figure it out. It was going to no. be even potentially even higher, 75, you know, something <laughs> in that of that nature. And I was like, well, that could be an interesting record for Laurent Brassois. But, I mean, again, you, you're going to talk about the high danger chances, and they were pretty even. I think it was like, what, 13, 12? Uh, overall in the in the total in the game? In the total of the game was 13-12 in favor of the Winnipeg Jets at five on five. At five on five, yeah. yeah. But but anyways, so I mean again, I don't there there was similar to the the other game where the um the ducks started off quickly and had some good chances. I thought the Sharks had some good chances early and Laurent Brassois was sharp. And you kind of felt like okay, well he's he's in he's in the zone right now, and that's gonna be good for the Winnipeg Jets because they don't appear to be they they're in the twilight zone right now. That's about the only zone Winnipeg appeared to be in. And so, you know, again, it was good to see that Lauren Brassois. I mean, I guess if you want to take away a positive, if you're looking for for some positives from tonight's game, mm-hmm. the play of Lauren Brassois is definitely a, 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 a big, big plus for the Winnipeg Jets. And that's now three straight games that Lauren Brassois has been in net for the Jets, or the three straight Brassois starts is the better way I should phrase it, that mm-hmm. the Jets have started very slow and he's kept the team in it right. to to until they can find their skating legs. You remember the game against Carolina, uh, which would have been what? That would have been a week ago Monday, I believe, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. So yeah. about nine, about eight days ago, uh, the Jets were terrible in that first period, and Lauren Passois stood on his head. And then even before that, the game that uh, he gave up that real stinky goal in Nashville, again, mm-hmm. the Jets were real slow to start. So Lauren Passois has certainly been playing better hockey uh, game by game over the last few games and for whatever reason he's had to because the Jets have not been uh, starting very well at all especially in the last few games where he's been in net uh, so they needed him they they relied on him uh, early in tonight's contest like I said uh, the Jets getting outshot uh, 12-1 at the at the TV timeout Ultimately, though, the Jets did find their game and ended up uh, after that point, after that first TV timeout, the Jets outshot the Sharks 14 to three for the rest of that first period. So the Jets needed seven, eight minutes to get their skating legs and to really figure out how they wanted to play against the San Jose Sharks. Uh, and that's in you know, the first period, the shots ended up 15-15 and the goals ended up 1-1. And it's the Sharks who opened the scoring. It's Justin Bailey, his first of the year, his first in like five years is what I saw a tweet. Yeah, from, 2018. Uh, yeah, okay. So there you go. I think it was, I'm not sure who it was in Vancouver. It was one of the Vancouver reporters, I think, who tweeted that last goal that Bailey scored was when he was a member of the Canucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's his first and assist to Mike Hoffman and uh, and Yan Ruda. Uh, and I'll be honest, I didn't know Yan Ruda was still a defenseman in the NHL. That was not a who's who of defensemen on the back end uh, for the uh, for the San Jose Sharks, which is why the Jets were so successful uh, at grinding the game, ultimately losing, but grinding the game when they had those opportunities, when they were able to get it down low and uh, they, they dominated because San Jose really does not have an NHL caliber of defense back there. Uh, but mm-hmm. one nothing is the Sharks did get the lead at the 917 mark. Bailey, it's a, it's a low to high play. Justin Bailey, really from the top of the circle, he's got all sorts of daylight. He's all got all sorts of time and space, and he rifles it past uh, Lauren Persuade post and in to give them the one nothing lead. Dave, yeah, I mean, look, and and as we usually suggest, it's not just one play here that unfortunately for the Jets doesn't go right. Nino Niederreiter has the puck along the boards and has a chance to chip it out. Doesn't do that, right? Mm-hmm. David Gustafson goes to back him up. Doesn't help. Brendan Dillon, a little slow behind the net, doesn't get to it. And Neil Pionk isn't able to clear his man out in front, so Norm Brassois' eyes are completely removed. And what does that set itself up for? Set itself up for the one nothing game for the Sharks, right? So mm-hmm. Dillon's a little bit slow. And like I said, Dillon, I mean, uh, Pionk just can't take his man in front. And so he's, you know, essentially kind of turned backwards. And Brassois can't, is completely obstructed. And, you know, give Bailey credit, even though, again, not exactly a sniper, but he finds the back of the net. So you're you're finding yourself, I think the shots were 13-4 at that point. And so you're just wondering, like, I almost thought Rick Bonus might take the uh, time out there at that point, to be honest with you, because it was kind of like, 
what is going on here with your team? You know, well, I you, think he used the TV timeout for that. I think he was trying to right. get to the TV timeout in order. Yeah. To, and that's when he sort of probably, you know, gave him the smelling salts or the proverbial smackdown. Uh, yeah. I'm not talking about the rock, uh, but you know, <laughs> Hey, wake up guys. You know, the, you know, you can't play like, you can't just walk, expect to walk in here and win the San Jose sharks team. Yeah. They were, you know, at the bottom of the NHL standings, but five, two and one in their last eight games is five, two and one in their last eight games. Yeah. They're playing like a confident bunch. Right. Absolutely. I mean, and like I said, they're, they're, you know, when teams are told they're exposed to lose and they're terrible teams and da 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 da, they love that. You know, like teams love hearing that they stink and, the suck, and they're the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever did suck. Right. And a lot of these guys still want to play for, for, for future contracts. So, I mean, again, you're still going to get guys who are, are trying. They're not there just to be like, sure, we're going to be fodder for every team that we play and they'll still play with heart. So, you look, again, their teams can, any team in the NHL can beat any team in the NHL. I know folks don't want to believe that, yeah. but it's the truth. I mean, it happens, right? So um, the fact is that it's it's just not, it's a breakdown on the goal. And again, Nino Nino Rider chips that, and we're, we're team Nino Nino Rider here, generally speaking. But if he chips that puck a little bit harder, it gets out and, you know, it doesn't stay in their end. If uh, Brandon Dillon gets that puck quicker behind the net, then again, they don't put it in front to Bailey and, and, if Neil Pion clears the front of the the uh, uh, the Jets net, guess what? Mm-hmm. Lauren Brassois sees that shot all all day, and he makes a save. So again, number of things go wrong, and it ends up in the back in the, your net, and now you're down one nothing. And again, you you you're really weren't thinking what the hell is going to happen in this game because again, I didn't anticipate that the the Sharks were going to like destroy the Jets like a five nothing game. But you were you know based on the shots, and you can say shot quality and all that stuff, but still, it's thirteen to four. And that's just shots that are hitting the net, not necessarily shots on net. Yeah, look, the Sharks controlled the the pace of play to start the game until the Jets were able to get back into it, and then once the Jets did, they yeah. really took over the this the the first period and a lot of the early chances in the second period. And in fact, the Jets tie it up at the sixteen oh nine mark of the first period, and it's the legendary sniper for the Winnipeg Jets, Brendan <laughs> Dillon. Uh, it's ruled unassisted, which I wonder if that's going to change at any point in time. But for now, uh, it's considered unassisted. I thought Neil Pionk probably deserved more on this one because he starts to play with a nice chip and chase. And he goes and he forces a turnover uh, that the Sharks, again, can't handle a forecheck. And then the puck goes back up to Brendan Dillon. And he makes no mistake in getting the Jets goal, which is also our Seagram shot of the game. The Seager shot of the game. Big thanks to our friends at Seagrams for their continued support and continued sponsorship of the Illegal Curve post-game show. If you're looking for a drink, perhaps you want a tasty fireball drink, whatever you do, we encourage you, and our friends at Seagrams encourage you to please drink responsibly. Uh, Brendan Dillon, he's up to five goals on the year. Like I said, it's an unassisted goal at this point in time, even though Neil Pionk, I think, deserves a lot of credit for uh, forcing the turnover in the neutral zone, carrying the puck, chipping and chasing, forcing the uh, strong forecheck where the Sharks defender on this play is only just able to send it up to the blue line. And Brendan Dillon with uh, a seeing eye shot that Vlad Nemestikov looks like he may have deflected or everyone thought at first he deflected it, but mm-hmm. apparently it just goes off of uh, Mackenzie Blackwood's glove and into the net, tying the game up at one with a little less than four minutes to play in the first period. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's uh, your boy, Jan Ruda, who isn't able to clear. He, he takes a shot, which is obviously why the reason why Neil Pionk wouldn't get an assist on there, because he's the one who rims it around the board. I guess. So. And that's true. And, and, and good on Brendan Dillon for being able to, to stop it. And I, what are we talking about? Firing a puck on net. Yeah. Cause that's, that was again, and we'll get into this later when we talk about the jets power play, but it, the idea is, especially now when you don't have Kyle Connor, you cannot be too cute. And the Jets are trying to be too cute with the perfect shot and trying to like, you know, finesse it through three bodies. And again, like I said, sometimes that's not a bad thing, but like, you know, you're, you're, once you get through the first level, are you going to get it past the second layer? I should say layer, first layer, second layer. And the problem is they're not. So again, like they're just need to get those dirty shots on net. And right now 
muck it up. And and this is exactly what you want to see. You want to see Brendan Dillon seeing there's an opportunity, same as what we saw with that um, Velarde goal in Anaheim, right? Velarde is going from center ice to the boards and he sticks his stick back and 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 redirects it in. But the point is, Nemestikov takes away the ice. It's the same thing that happened in, in the goal against the Jets. So Brendan Dillon sees there's an opportunity, fires on net. He's either hoping that Nemestikov is going to tip it Mm-hmm. or similarly, he's hoping that he'll create a screen that Blackwood won't be able to see the puck. And sure enough, you know, it ends up in the back of the net. So good on Brendan Dillon. I mean, he's now up to five goals, which matches his second highest goal total. Six is his best with um, Dallas. He had five with San Jose once, and he's actually, again, he's on pace for like 16 this year. Don't know <laughs> that he's going to hit that lofty no. goal, but, you know, he should he should be able to eclipse his uh, his 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 highest ever. And, and yeah. You know, the Jets are in this. And then suddenly now you're thinking, okay, well, as we've talked about, Drew, the Jets, you could feel the Jets are coming on now. They're 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 feeling they're feeling a little bit better. They're they've turned the the ice is a little bit more um even at this point. I mean, shots were 15 to 10 in favor of San Jose. So you can feel the Jets are coming on after being, you know, heavily outshot throughout the majority of the first 10 minutes. And then the last 10 minutes, it seemed to be almost all Jets. And so suddenly now it's a one-all game, and the Jets are thinking, okay, we've now we we now we're about to go and turn this around. Because just remember, coming into this game, and this yeah. goes to show you about the totality of the season, the Jets are a plus 17 team in goal differential. The Sharks were minus 54. And well, again, sure. obviously those t- because they, of- they've also had three goals, three games where they gave up more than 10. Sorry, where they gave up 10 goals a game, which will which will heavily destroy your goal differential. But Again, it's one of those situations where for Winnipeg, you know you're not probably going to be scoring a ton of goals this season without Kyle Connor, or mm-hmm. you're going to be missing a ton of goals, I should say. So you you have to just know that you, you know, again, are going to slow have to slowly uh you know work by committee. And so again, getting a Brendan Dillon to score is is a big thing. And and suddenly you're thinking, okay, the Jets have kind of figured it out. They put that first 10 minutes of the game again uh, aside, mm-hmm. and now they're starting to get it uh, figured out. Well, and and they certainly played better than San Jose for the last ten minutes of that second period, and they started the pardon me last ten minutes of the first period, and yeah. they started uh, the second period off well uh, as well. The yeah. Jets were really in control for the first you know eight or so minutes of that second period. Uh, you know they had you know they had opportunities um, you know on the Jets power play with uh, William Eklund in the box. This is in the mm-hmm. second period. He's in the box for holding, and Josh Morrissey hits the post. So that was that's a really good opportunity uh for the winnipeg jets but a lot of their play tonight was uh perimeter based and it wasn't Mm -hmm. uh where it needed to be which you know to to beat mckenzie blackwood given the collapsing sharks you know the strategy of the sharks i mean kevin sawyer dan robertson they said it on the on the broadcast multiple times that no team in the nhl blocks as many shots as the san jose sharks do now that's also a a sign that the san jose sharks don't have the puck on the very often but you know yeah. you know that they know that you know for them to succeed they need to block shots because they're not going to win the possession battle more often right. than not they don't have the defense i mean their defense is horrendous let's not sugarcoat it their defense in terms of the actual players they have on the ice are are not nhl caliber they are fringe at best so what does the team compensate for that the team compensates by trying to block absolutely everything and trying to make it so that you can't get to that front of the net simply because there's too many bodies there and the jets had difficulty sort of uh you know figuring out that puzzle and, you know, they when they had opportunities, you know, the opportunities were generally from the outside. And Mackenzie Blackwood was better tonight than he had been earlier this year. And after 40 minutes, no other action, no other blood is drawn. And it's still 1-1 after 40 minutes. And then once you get into the third period and it's anybody's game, that's when, uh, that's when one goal can be such a difference maker. And the Jets, again, they had two power play opportunities within the first, uh, you know, the the, the first, they had a power play opportunity, pardon me, within the first two and a half minutes uh, mm-hmm. of the third period. Puck over glass penalty by one of those beleaguered San Jose Sharks defensemen. Henry Thrun. Henry Thrun. Yeah, again, not yeah. a household name. No. 
you know, the Jets can't do anything with it. So again, another missed opportunity, another missed opportunity. And, you know, the Jets just run into then trouble. And Laurent Bossois has to make a number of big saves. You think about that save he made on Mikel Grandland with about seven and a half minutes to play. Right. That was an yeah. absolutely massive uh, save because I think the Jets and the third period got a little bit away from them. It went back to being a transition game, a game off the rush. You know, which plays into what San Jose wants. The Jets in that second period, and I thought for the last 10 minutes or the last 15 or so minutes of the first period, really did a good job turning it into a grinder, turning it into a board battle-esque kind of game. And then as the third period went on, they got away from that, Dave. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree. And I saw your tweet and I agreed with it. And and you were thinking, are they going to be able to to do this? And again, it's the it, the difference in this game is the power plays. I mean, you're 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 over five. Obviously, we're, we're the last one is the one that that hurt them because that was the one that could have tied the game for them. Yeah. And it's the urgency, right? Like it's that it's just a lack of urgency. It's just like these guys feel like they have even with like as time is running out, and I'm you're watching the game and you're like, why? Like I I tweeted this and I and I suspect folks in the chat will appreciate it. I said, and believe me, there was plenty of room in San Jose. <laughs> to be able to have, uh, um, you know, Jets fans there. But I said, I think the team needs Jets fans yelling shoot because they don't realize that they're supposed to shoot the puck. They're doing a lot of passing. Mm. And it, it's just, it was perimeter, ridiculous. perimeter, 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 perimeter. Again, just trying to set up the perfect cross ice pass or, you know, just, you know, and again, don't get me wrong. Some of the passing they, that was made in this game was fantastic, right? Like Nikolai mm. Ehlers made a few I'm thinking of that one where he circled behind the net and then hit Brendan Dillon at the point and then Dillon fired it on the net. Like there were a number of very good ones, but it's just, it was too much on the outside. It was too slow. It was too measured and there wasn't enough chaos. And again, like you said, Drew, like this is a, a Sharks team that blocks a lot of shots. Yeah. So, you know, the Jets taking time to set up. Well, guess what? That allows them to get into position. And you've got guys again who have a lot of pride. These guys aren't, you know, like I said, they're not afraid to, as T. Kona Pauly would say, get a little dirty and 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 block some shots. So that's what they did, and they they certainly blocked enough shots in this game. And they had a lot of giveaways. Though. I didn't realize the giveaways were eight nothing in favor. And in, in, in San Jose gave away that the puck that much. But again, yeah, I shouldn't. Be. You you give away the puck when you're when you're pressured and you're and you're an inexperienced defense and See, you, Phyllis you can't it, handle dude. it. Phyllis says that she does that at the games all the time. She yells, "Shoot well, the puck!" So the Jets we... should actually bring. Phyllis to on the road. Then maybe Phyllis needs to be on the plane. Thank you to T. Kona Pauly as per the uh, illegal curve charter. If you ever give us money, we <laughs> highlight it and thank you publicly for doing so. Someone so we, today. Sorry, go ahead. I'll tell. I'll, I'll get into my thought in a second. I was just going to say thank you to T. Kona Pauly. Always, always here. Always one of our loyal uh, viewers here of the illegal curve post game show as uh, we rapidly approach the 1 a.m. hour. And so many of you are still with us on this uh, now Wednesday morning. Go ahead, Dave. What are we going to well, say? I was just going to say, first of all, T. Kona, as I mentioned, check out the Instagram because I posted uh, a photo and I mentioned you in the description of the photo, but I didn't tag you because. You know, you go by T. Kona Pauly. I know what your real name is. I just don't want to out you if you don't want to be outed. So I wanted to keep your anonymity as T. Kona Pauly. But the point I was going to make was about Nikita Chibrikov. People were saying I'm being protectionist over guys like Chibrikov and Lambert and Jilkin. What are you, a government? Uh, are you a government protecting your oil or something? Yeah, exactly. I get, that's what people are suggesting, that I'm somehow protecting the young Jets uh, prospects and wanting them on the moose for myself, which is probably maybe a little bit true. But the point is, and I, I, I said to them, I tried to explain to this person, I said, what the reality is, is that I try and base my um, observations or my, my, my comments on the observations I make following these two teams and being around these two teams and following what the organization's dictates are for their prospects. And so to me, Again, I don't think you're going to put Brad Lambert or Nikita Chibrikov into mm -hmm. these roles before you've had a full season of AHL hockey. It's the same as, look, the Jets tried that with, let's, ironically enough, who did the Jets try this with the first time around? It's the player they're trying to replace, Kyle, Kyle Connor. Connor. Yeah. Remember, one year at University of Michigan, came, everybody's like, oh, he'll be, and I believe me, I watched every single game that kid played at the University of Michigan. Maybe not every single game, but pretty much every single game. The point I'm making is 
when he came to the jet, the NHL, what did he score? Five goals. Like he wasn't, he just couldn't do it. He went down right. to the AHL. Remember he went down to the AHL, couldn't score at the AHL either till the end. And then, then he went on fire. He scored like 21 and 24 games. It was ridiculous. But the point I'm making is started the next season with the, in the AHL. I think he had like three and two and five or something like that. He scored. He did. He did well, got called up, never looked back. The similarly, I think you're going to do the same. The Jets are going to do the, the, yeah. the same for Brad Lambert, the same for, for Nikita Chibrikov. I understand what people are saying. You want someone with skill, but you're they're not going to get... They're, they're too young. I mean, it, it, this doesn't need... I, th- I think we're beating a dead horse a little bit here, folks. Well, no, they're not they're, ready. They're, they're I, not I, ready. Well, again, they're they're doing well at the AHL level. Right. Again, they're, people see Brad Lambert score an OT winner. Yeah. And they're, again, but remember, the Jets are trying to develop Lambert as a center, not as a winger. So, it's, again, there's a variety of things. And look, I, I think Chibrikov is very good, but, I mean, he's played 20, 17 games right now in the AHL. So, yeah. let's let him marinate like I said, for a while longer. I, I mean, we don't need to, I, again, it's a dead horse at this point in time. I, it would be very, look, you know, past, past uh, performance it usually gives a reasonable glimpse as to what the future is going to look like. And the Jets have never rushed one of their players. Well, exactly. And so why would you expect that all of a sudden they're going to start to rush somebody? Now, if they're looking to replace Kyle Connor, I think a trade is more likely than, than a, than a call up of one of the young moose players. I mean, we've seen, uh, you know, again, talk about Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg free press. He's been reporting that the, Philadelphia Flyers, who we know are allegedly listening to offers on Sean Walker and Travis Konechny, have been tied to the Winnipeg Jets recently and have been following the Jets around as they moved from Colorado to Anaheim uh, and to San Jose. Not saying that a trade is imminent, but you know there's a little more smoke uh, there than there would be about calling up one of these young guys, um, you know, who've only played a handful of AHL games. It's a separate issue altogether. We can deal with that more on Saturday morning's Illegal Curve Hockey Show. That's going to be live on location. As a reminder, 9 a.m. on Saturday morning, we're going to be live at Farmery Brewing, their retail location, number two Donald Street, right uh, right behind the Midtown Car Wash over there. Come check us out. We're live there Saturday morning. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show live on location starting at 9 a.m. from Farmery Brewing, number two Donald Street. And yes. because because all of you are in the chat with us at one o'clock in the morning, we've got some coupon codes that if you want to buy some IC beer online through the website, farmery.ca, IC20OFF24. So IC20OFF24. So you get a $20 off of 24. 24. And then... Actually, I think Eric used my codes. I just realized. And then I see eight off 12. You got that, Drew? So if you buy I 24, you get 20 bucks off a of flat. 12. There we go. Drew. Showing you. Where... And then that's eight off of 12, off of 12, 12 of the IC beer. So. There you go. We're giving you beer discounts here on the folk uh, 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 at one in the morning. That's what we're doing for you, folks. Yeah, if you want to order we... some beer, go ahead. We're giving you we're giving you beer discounts to buy but the come, great illegal curve lager from our friends at Farmery Brewing. But come on Saturday morning yeah. and definitely take advantage nine of to, that. Nine to eleven. Yeah, it's allegedly Spencey's going to be uh, out in the parking lot uh, tailgating. Uh, okay. That's the, that's the word. Gotta on do the what street. you got to do. Yeah. So be sure to join us on Saturday morning for that. Uh, before we wrap up tonight's game, of course, we have to talk about what ends up being the game winning goal for the San Jose Sharks with mm-hmm. Dylan DeMello in the penalty box for hooking a call that he ve- uh, vehemently disagreed with uh, and with Logan Stanley unable to clear the puck and getting his pocket picked by Anthony Duclair. It's Duclair to Granlin across the ice, a one-timer on the stick of William Eklund, who is still a young player, former first-round pick of the Sharks, still have a lot of uh, hope for him that the Sharks do. And Laurent Brassois can't quite get post-to-post in time, and Eklund beats him with the one-timer short side to give the Sharks the 2-1 lead with less than five minutes to play in the third period. I want to call that goal an E5 because, you know, in honor of Eklund. But, uh, it, look, it's it's a tough one for the Jets. You you kind of had that feeling. You're like, okay, late power play. 
And it's just, I, again, here's an instance where Logan Stanley's speed drew, mm-hmm. lack thereof, may have burnt them a little bit because, you know, he gets turned around and he loses his man. Yeah. And, you know, the, the Sharks, it creates that confusion. It creates that space. He's just and, not decisive. His decision-making mm-hmm. is just not decisive enough. And his decision-making at this point in time should be better. And if right. you don't make good decisions at this point in time, after this many games in the NHL, you are what you are. I mean, he, he you know, and, and again, but again, like, like, but just to focus on this play though, right? Like, yeah. I mean, again, he's got the puck. Yeah. He can't clear it. And right. then the problem for him is not only does he do that, but he's, he's in no man's land. He's not sure. doing anything when they like you, once you've already lost that, that, that opportunity to kind of make that, that, that initial stop. Now he's just standing around. And so, you know, again, you're allowing, like he doesn't clear the front of the net even. Well, and, it's good and, because he's, because he's now, he's now a half a step behind the play. And right. so it, it almost becomes a bit of a, uh, I mean, it, it, it's too simplistic to say that it's a five. Well, on Brian Grieve, oh, let's give a big shout out to Brian Grieve. He's right. a long time IC fan, follower and lives and, in San uh, Francisco in the Bay area. Yeah. He's uh, a Bay area native. So we, uh, yeah. big, big shout out to Brian. He's listening on these on the the 101. That's the highway 101. Uh, the the interstate or the freeway in California. Listening as I assume he's coming home from the game. Uh, so Brian, always great to hear from you and see you in the chat tonight. But you know, it, 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 you know, again, Stanley gets his pocket pick because he's not decisive enough when he's got the puck on his stick, and mm-hmm. then it almost becomes a modified five on three. And the Sharks make no mistake; they see an opportunity and they don't waste any time. It's fast passing. Because you know the guys who pa- who are, are around on this play, you know, are Duclair, Granland, and Eklund. And whatever you think of Duclair and Granland, and you know, I don't think those are guys who are going to be winning you a Stanley Cup anytime soon. They're at least bona fide NHL players. You yeah. know, Mikel Granland is you know bounced around a whole hell of a lot, and he's always you know sort of left more. Uh, you know, you watch him, and you and you, there, there, there's talent there, but it is always more that you feel uh, than than he gives. And Duclair, again, another guy who's bounced around a whole hell of a lot. You remember when he was on Ottawa, and then he was on Florida. And now he's you know in San Jose this year. And Eklund was a first round pick, and he was a seventh overall pick. So again, guys who have talent, and they have a bit of a five on three, a modified five on three, because Stanley is now uh, scrambling to get back in the play. But once you're a half a step behind, that's all it takes in the NHL. That's all it takes at this level. Half a step is it might as well be two steps behind because the puck moves quickly and it moves decisively, and they did and they don't waste any time in taking advantage of that. Uh, and Eklund beats uh, Lauren Persuas with the one timer. Yeah, and and that ends up being the difference in the game. So I mean, yeah. it's it's an unfortunate situation for the Jets because. It was a well-played hockey game, and I actually thought it was going to be an OT game, to be honest with you, Drew. And I was like, oh, cool, even later than uh, <laughs> than, than our 12-15 expected start time. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Jets had the opportunity, and we talked about that, and you you had two opportunities, right? You had a six-on-five on the delayed penalty. Then yeah. you had a power play of five-on-four, and then you had another six-on-five when you pulled the goaltender. And they just, I mean, there were one or two opportunities. And, I again, like I said, I, I I'm not – I'm not I'm not taking anything away from this game, but the only player who really stood out to me as as a really effective player was Lauren Brassois. Well, and, you know what? Hang on, I want to stop. You no, no, and I'm not I'm not going to limit. I'm not. I, I was going to say like he was the best of the group. I'm saying. Oh, yeah, he was the and, reason and, why the why the Jets were still in it, especially after that first period, and he and a number of other key saves he made uh, throughout the course of the game. Right. I did want to say though that I thought Gabe Velarde. Uh, played one of his better games since returning. I thought he had more. Well, he played maybe... like five games. Well, I know, but I thought that this was the first game where I thought he had a little more jump in him. That maybe he had a yeah, little more. He had his skating legs a little bit better than mm. uh, than some of the previous games where I think he was still sort of getting used to it and feeling things out. You know, that line for the Jets tonight, I mean, that line was very good for the Winnipeg Jets. Now, you want them to be able to score uh, in yeah, a they game definitely. Like that. Cre- there's no question they created opportunities. Like, yeah, they, they did. Right. They were, they were, uh, so either Shafley and Velarde were 70% possession, Perfetti, Nemestikov, and Barron were 83% uh, possession, and mm-hmm. Shafley, Ehlers, and Velarde, that's 10 minutes of, of uh, five on five ice time that they were really quite dominant 
uh, you know, they, they, their expected goals were 84%. So they, they played very well. That line for the Winnipeg Jets played very well. So you'd like to see that obviously. And you'd like to see Gabe Velarde, uh, you know, getting back into it because the Jets are going to need him and they're going to need him offensively without yeah. Kyle Connor in their lineup for let's just say the foreseeable future is I think the, uh, the best well, we way know, to describe it, The foreseeable that. future is for sure tomorrow. That's all right. we know. Cause Kyle Connor <laughs> is currently in Winnipeg here and yes. uh, the jets are in well th- th- as of as of right now they're probably in southern california drew but right, they were in northern yeah. california and 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 yeah it's it's just again it's one of those situations where they need to figure this out because i mean you're playing against the sharks yeah tomorrow night or sorry later tonight as it's been pointed out to, to, to us it's now the morning yeah so later tonight when we're doing the show you know 24 hours from now it's, right, a step, we'll be... it's a step up in weight class against a very, very good Los Angeles Kings. Now team. you look, you don't want to like Rick bonus said, you know, he even made a comment. He made a comment today about the Kings. He goes, well, I don't want to say that we're looking past the sharks and I'm not going to give the jets credit to say that, Oh, they were already, they're already counting these two points and they're moving on to LA, but we know that it's, it, the jets aren't happy with the way things went. We know that Gabe yeah. Velarde is, is feeling little uppity about how things went against his former club. So it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see how things, and maybe Alex Iafallo, you want those guys to be a little more al- animated because you need to see a little bit more from them. And from Iafallo, not necessarily Velarde, because I agree with you, he, I thought he was better. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's just one of those things that you want to see the response from the Jets. Because again, you know, this, this was an opportunity. This would have been your second five-game winning streak of the season. And as you said, Drew, you would have been back in the mix for the central top spot in the central. So well, you would have all, been all the central division. Yeah. That's right. So it's just all things that you need to do as a, as a hockey club to, you know, rebound. You've had a good road trip. You're two and one. Right. So we'll see what they can do to finish things off tomorrow night. Exactly. We'll talk about that a little bit later, right after the commercial break. We'll come back. The tough duck, hardest hitting comment. Much more to come. Some of the post-game comments from Jets head coach Rick Bonus as well. It's 1.10 in the morning. You're already awake. Don't go anywhere. The commercials, and then we'll come back and much more of the Illegal Curve post-game show. <laughs> Your co-workers love you because you always make them laugh. You're the life of the party with stories that have them rolling on the floor. Or maybe you're just the quiet one in the corner with the one-liners that just slay. Do you have what it takes to become Winnipeg's funniest person with a day job? Try your luck. Hit the stage at Rumors Comedy Club and you could be walking away with $1,000 cash. Winnipeg's funniest person with a day job. Presented by Rumors. For all the details, head to RumorsComedyClub.com. So you're a pizza person, you married a wing person, but somehow your kids are salad people. You can't pick your fam, but you can pick your BP meal deal. Starting from $18.99 for takeout or delivery at bostonpizza.com. The game can change just like that. Accidents happen when you aren't protected. So now what? Getting to your injury quickly can make all the difference. Help prevent them from being game changers with Linden Market Dental Center. Bonding, crowns, bridges, and dental implants. State-of-the-art treatments are available to help you get back in the game. To learn more, visit LindenMarketDentalCenter.com. Creating smiles for life. Whoa, Ezzy. Everything okay? You look stressed. Of course I'm stressed. We're moving the house is upside down, the kids failed miserably at packing the fine china, and my life is in chaos. Chaos! Yes, that does sound like a problem. What am I going to do? Ezzy, relax. Rolly's transfer moving and storage is the answer. With 60 years of experience in moving Manitobans and a track record of exemplary customer service, one call to Rolly's and your stress is gone. No job is too big or too small. Just visit rollies.com and they will take it from there. Thanks, Dave, and thank you, Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage, online at rollies.com. Boston Pizza harnessed analytics to test if the game is better at home or at Boston Pizza. The results are irrefutable. Catch the game at Boston Pizza, powered by Fanalytics. For three generations and over 80 years, Tough Duck 
has been making apparel that works and plays as hard as the people who wear it. From jackets to work boots and everything in between, Tough Duck's clothing can handle the harshest environments, even the illegal curve hockey show. Work to live, live to play. Visit toughduck.com. Wednesday morning, we're back with the Illegal Curve post-game show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, so many of you joining us to talk about the Jets and the San Jose Sharks. We appreciate that. Here's some of the post-game comments uh, from the uh, from the assembled media on site. Uh, head coach Rick Bonus about the power, about the special teams. It was a factor. Specialty teams, again, uh, we give up a shorthanded goal. Uh, I think what he's saying is the Jets were shorthanded. Uh, and on our power play, we hit the power play and had some good looks, but you've got to score on those opportunities. The specialty teams were the difference in the game tonight. Uh, here's Jets' uh, Cole Perfetti. They packed it in pretty good, San Jose did. It was tough to get to the middle of the ice. Uh, we really shouldn't be putting up any excuses here, Perfetti said. We've got to be better. We've got to score. Kyle Connor is out for a bit now. We can't use that excuse. We just need to put our heads down and work. Hopefully we can turn this thing around. So the special teams, certainly a big difference in tonight's game. We are really going to have to put our work boots on and work really hard. Cole Perfetti said uh, about the Los Angeles Kings, the Jets opponent tomorrow night. It's going to be a different game on Wednesday night. It'll be a different style. They play a little different. So it's going to be fun. The effort is there, but now the puck just has to go in the net. It'll be a tough one for the Winnipeg Jets tomorrow night against a very talented Los Angeles Kings team, especially coming off a disappointing loss to the San Jose Sharks tonight, Dave. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like it's all about tests and you want to show that this is just a little little speed bump. So we'll see if the Jets are, are up for it. And mm -hmm. again, every team has to deal with adversity. The Jets did. The Jets dealt with adversity. They lost Gabriel Velarde in game, you know, uh, they've got him for two. They lost him in the first period of the third one. So, I mean, they dealt with his loss. They're now going to deal with Gabriel with with Kyle Connor's loss. Yeah. And you're just gonna. That's just the reality of 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 many teams, and and a lot of teams are dealing with it. And you can you can make excuses, and they sound great. And again, they definitely factor in. I mean, you don't you don't minimize it. It it's definitely the reality. You don't remove the top scorer on this Jets club by a lot. And say, well, it's not gonna, it's not gonna have a, an impact. It is, but as a team, you're gonna have to figure out a way to adjust and and sure. and adapt. You know, it's kind of like a three-legged dog. You know, it can't sit there and lament the fact that it only has four, three legs instead of four. It adapts. It learns how to run, run with three, and that's what it'll happen. And so the Jets are gonna have to figure out a way to adapt, and that's what we're gonna see from this hockey club. Because again, we've been talking about it. It has a different feeling. This isn't last year. Rick Bonus is fond of saying, you know, what was, was, or maybe not necessarily. Actually, that was more my Bob than Rick Bonus. But the point is, get him confused up, all the time. Shout out, shout out, Bob Toots. But the fact of the matter is that, um, you know, this is that you, you have to have a short memory. So you put this one out and you have to change some things about the power play because it's not working. And, you know, I, I, I saw some of the, the comments, you know, put Logan Stanley in front, put Adam Lowry in front, put someone in front. You yeah. know, it doesn't really matter. Someone who's big and strong, because right now that doesn't seem to be working with the way it's currently configured. Maybe do some changes. We'll see. You know, obviously you don't have a lot of time between today and or yesterday and today. But again, we'll see what happens. But you just you want to see what a team does with a little bit of adversity, because, again, it's in the Stanley Cup playoffs. How many times do we see a team lose a, a guy who's critical to their to their aspirations? The Jets have been one of those teams. And it it can either derail you, or, or it can force you to, or or it galvanizes, or it forces you to adjust. So we'll see what happens with this Jets club. Last thing tonight: Tough Duck hardest hitting comment. The Tough Duck hardest hitting comment. Big thanks to all of the commenters tonight. Always appreciate everyone's contribution to the post-game show. We're going to give tonight's Tough Duck hardest-hitting comment to Sparky. 
Jets made a bad choice of going seven defensemen when uh, Axel Janssen Fialbi is one player that's fast pressuring the puck. Uh, we've talked about the decision to go 11 and seven throughout the course of the show. And both Dave and I agreed that a player like Axel Janssen Fialbi, especially against a, a weaker San Jose defense, would have made a difference in his ability to get in there on the fork check, a four check. So Sparky, uh, good comment. That's the tough duck, hardest hitting comment. Send me an email, drew at legalcurve.com or on X at IC Drew and send us your mailing address and our friends at Tough Duck will send you out a toque. Congratulations on your victory in tonight's Tough Duck hardest hitting comment. Uh, it is now almost 1.20 in the morning, so it is well past my bedtime. Uh, so we're going to wrap it up there. We are going to say a big thank you to all of the sponsors of Where's Frosty, Curve. by the way? Uh, I'm not sure where Frosty is. I think he went to bed. I don't blame him. Uh, who made the, He made the post-game show, the Saturday show, and the website a possibility. Our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, Linden Market Dental Center, Zappia Group Realty, Betway, Tough Duck, Boston Pizza, Seagram's, Rolly's Transfer, and Farmery Beer support all of these great local businesses because of their continued support of Illegal Curve Hockey. Just if you thought you had enough of us today, well, guess what? We'll be back, we'll be back. a little bit later today <laughs> slash very early tomorrow after the Jets and the Los Angeles Kings will do it all again in a matter of mere hours uh in case you haven't already done so smash the like button subscribe to the youtube channel subscribe to the podcast leave us some feedback illegalcurve.com is your destination for all your latest winnipeg jets and manitoba moose news and audio thanks everyone for joining us for dave manuk i'm your host drew mandel until tomorrow night just about midnight maybe 12 15 in the morning on I guess technically that would be Thursday morning, whatever day it is. You know where it's going to be for the Illegal Curve postgame show after the Jets and the Kings. Until then, we wish you a good night. I guess a good morning, as the case may be. And good luck. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, illegalcurve.com.